This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. The Bible says this, and this is something we always need to remember. It says, one man sows another waters, but God gives the increase. So we have watering and sowing to do, but we need the supernatural. We need God to do what we can't do. Somebody say amen to be that part. And so we're going to talk about that today, and I'm going to talk about something that I call positioning for breakthrough and uh, it's, it's a different way of looking at your life and, wh- and how you manage your life. I'm going to call it something called administrate your life. And uh, we'll look at it in the Bible in just a minute. And it's a, it's a powerful principle. But I do want you to know that I believe everything centers in and comes from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And, and we can do the right thing. But we need to do the right thing because of Jesus and knowing that he will complete the good work that he's begun in us. Not because if we do it, we get it, and we're the, we're the focus, but we do have a responsibility. Now, I'm excited to come in on the series more because that's what this is all about, how to live for more, be more, give more, serve more, you know, experience more in your life. And we used a great verse from Ephesians 3, and it's powerful. And you guys did three messages on this, if I understand. There's more, don't settle. You know, you get tough, need a breather, you know, but what happens is uh, you're your, your dwelling is not your destination, and you end up stuck somewhere, and we don't want to be stuck. God has more for me, for you, for Vortex. Uh, then we looked at there's more room at the table. I love that. We've always got to be, if, if I, this is what I see when I travel around the country. What I see is if a church is concerned about the lost, about their neighbors, about their families, the people outside of the four walls of the movie theater or church house, when they're concerned about people, the church grows. And when they lose their vision of what God put you here for, and that's to represent him to a lost and dying world, man, then churches shrink. And so God has more because your heart is open and you are setting the table for people to come and meet Jesus and experience new life. And so it's powerful that way. And then you talked about more about God, the God-sized vision. And I, I just think it's true. God's got more for us than we could ever think or imagine. And in fact, God wants to give us vision that's so big that we know we can't do that. It'll take God for that to happen, and God will do that in our life. So just real quick, we, you know, this is a principle I've been looking at for a while and, and thinking about it and uh, trying to figure out how to do it. Now, we have a service. Let me see if I get all these right. We have, a, we have Saturday night too, but forget about that. At the one campus on Merritt Island, we have two sanctuaries, and then we have a sanctuary here, seats about 200, a sanctuary here that seats about 650 or something, and then we've got children's ministry over here, and so, and nurseries over there as well, and so it's a, it's pretty spread out. Our campus is kind of spread out, and so we have a service at 830, 930, 10, 11, and 1130, and so it's kind of busy. On Sunday morning, running around doing doing that. Now, some of them are video, some of those are live, but but we only have 15 minutes between our services, and so you've got to stay on your toes to get all that work in. I just never was smart enough to think we couldn't do it. 
I just, we just kept adding. We'd add a service. We'd do this. We'd add a service. We'd do that. We'd add a service. We turned around, and it was working by the grace of God. Why was it working? Because we did some important things. We adjusted. For example, where, where God began to teach me this, maybe this was 12, 15 years ago, we were in a place where we grew 5% from the year before, where financially we'd gone up 9% over the year before, and we were doing good, but God, I just felt unsettled. I felt like God said, look at everything. Everything you do and every way you do it, for example, go to the phone system you're using and see if you're paying the right price for the phone service and the phones are the right phones. And we made some adjustments there and it saved us $200 a month. Then we looked at our cell phones and we made some adjustments there. We all got new phones and it saved us $300 a month. Now we've got $500 a month we're saving. Then uh, lawn service came to me as I was going in the building one time and said, Pastor Dan, you got that new piece of property and that new sanctuary now uh, and we're going to have to raise the rate on, on taking care of the property. I said, no problem, just send me a, you know, a written proposal and give it to one of the guys that we'll, we'll look at it. And I thought, I used to do that for a living. I had a had 1,200 yards and did uh, landscaping all over uh, Brevard County. And so I thought, I don't even know what we pay for that. So I looked it up, $500. I said, and he was going to raise it to probably around six, six fifty, And uh, so I put it out for bid. We got several bids at $300 for the property a month. I said, we'll pay this guy $350. We'll take that one there. So we saved maybe $200, $250 there. And then we looked at our banking the amazing thing is that last year we had spent $10,000 in banking fees. I had a bank in the city that said, and where we live, on the island where we live, who said, if you'll move your money over here, we won't charge you anything, and we save $10,000 a year. Come on. See, what you do, how you adjust, how you administrate what God has given you, there's power in it. There's life in it. There is somebody say more. In it, and God wants you to get that more out. You know, have you, do you know anybody who received an inheritance and then months later, maybe even, or a couple of years later, they don't have anything? Anybody raise your hand so I can see it? Because I can't, you might be the nicest people in the world, but I can't see your faces. So uh, raise your hand if you know anybody like that. Come on, yeah. Have you ever seen somebody like buy a business? I, the business that I have, I divided it in half and sold a half to two different gentlemen. One gentleman, uh, the business collapsed in two years. The other gentleman, it collapsed in about seven years. It wasn't because they, they, they couldn't work or they didn't know how to do the job. It's that they didn't administrate it properly and it fell apart. How you administrate it is important. How the person administrates the inheritance is important. You know, I've even seen marriage fail, marriages fail because people won't adjust themselves to the new life that they're entering into. Now, you all know that when you get married, that is your death sentence, right? That's the truth. You, you, it's the relationship where you're called to die. So if you're engaged, run. No, I'm not kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a great thing to die for. Come on. It's an awesome thing, but you have to give up your life and live for someone else. And you have to do that right you'll have a mess. And so, you know, it isn't a matter of love that, that some marriages fail. It's a matter of administration. They don't administer it, right? Or the student who fails school. Why does he fail school? Because he doesn't have brains? No, because he won't administrate his life. 
properly. And, I, and I'm not throwing stones because I didn't do any homework in my senior year at all. And I had a, a solid C. Glory to God. Okay, let's move on here. So what do you got to do? You got to, you got to, if you want to do more, give more, serve more, rest more, have more time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you got to reposition yourself. And here's the truth. If you don't manage, and see, let me give you a couple other words. Administrate, what's it mean? Manage, control, direct, steward, if you wanted to use a biblical word. If you don't manage your life, something or someone will. And not every someone or someone who's going to manage your life is going to do a good job. And you're not going to receive what God's got for you. So let's go to the Word of God now, and let's look at this principle. And I've never read a book, I've never heard a sermon on administration, and I know like, yuck, I don't like administration, I want to preach vision or, you know, leadership or, you know, let's teach anything from the Word of God. But administrator, you kidding me, I'm not even good at it. And then God had me write a book, which I don't like to write. So it's like, okay, awesome. But the truth is, I do not know of a book that talks about this, and it is an incredibly powerful truth for more. More in your life. Let's look at it. Matthew 25. Um, and again, it's, there's, just, there's not a verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt administrate. It's a principle in the Bible that you have to look at more than one verse, kind of there are several stories that focus around administration. One of the stories Jesus told is in Matthew 25. I'm going to read from the English Standard Bible. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. So he's giving them something. To one he gave five talents. Now I don't know what the talents are. Measure of money, yeah, uh, abilities, I don't know. But whatever it is, one guy got five. And then it says, another two and another one to each according to his ability. It doesn't matter what we have. God gives us what we need. Somebody say amen. But we've got to do the right thing with what we receive. And then he went away. So he left them to do their thing. So this first story, let's just say by faith they received what God gave. They take the money, the talent, the resource, whatever it is, the gift, the blessing, whatever you want to name it, and what do they do? Two of them administrate it properly. Two of them, let me say it another way, do the right thing. What do they do? They resist fear. Like, you guys must resist fear. You told fear to go to hell a little while ago. That's incredible. I like that. Shame can go there too. Come on now. So, you know, I like, they, they must have resisted fear. They must have gotten some wisdom. They must have, you know, they had to take some risks. They had to act on their faith, and they had to invest, and they do that. And what happens? They double what they got. If you do the right thing with what God gives you, you can double it. Come on. But one of them doesn't do that. He receives it from God. He buries it. He does not administrate it and is rebuked. And let me just read that to you, verse 26. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have gather, uh, gather scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has 
will more be given. And he will have an abundance from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Have you ever read that and go, kind of wondered, is that really fair? Think about it for a minute. I mean, if you don't have anything, you lose what you got. That's kind of rough. Are you, are you with me or is anybody out there? Okay, yeah, you're still there. Good. Um, let's read that verse again. It says, for everyone who has, will more be given. So to everyone who has, here's my question, has what? Think about that for a minute. Has what? More will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, has not what? Even what he has will be taken away. Is that money? Is that talents? Is that gifts? I don't think so. Here's what I think he's saying. He said, to everyone who has administrated what I gave them, more will be given. And to him who doesn't administrate what he has, he'll lose what he has. It's not talking about, you know, if you got, you got money, you're just going to get more money. If you got talent, you're just going to get more talent. No, that's the way it works. It, that's not even remotely fair. But if you're not going to do something with what God gave you, you can lose what you've been given. And you know what? Somebody else will get what should have been yours. So let me, let me just uh, kind of wrap this up. Verse uh, 23 says this, his master said to him, one of the ones that administrated what God gave him well, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your masters. That's an example from scripture of administration. Now let's look at the theology. Because it's one thing to see an example of administration. It's another thing to actually see it as, as a theologically spoken. Now don't, don't, Everybody, could you all stand up just for a minute? Just stand up. Come on, give me a stretch. Come on, stand up. It's all right. You can, I know those seats are low and comfortable, and, you know, they're the devil right now, so you got to get out of them and tell them to go to hell or something. <laughs> stretch a little bit. Okay, sit back down now, because I, I want you in here with me on this one. We're in Hebrews 11. It's the faith chapter, and he's used several examples as he's gone on, specific people. And then he just sort of says, you know, I'm, I'm running out of room to write. And, and so he says, and what more shall I say? Verse 32, I, I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Now listen to these three things. Who through faith conquered kingdoms. You know what? We don't want to have kindergarten faith. We want to have big faith. We want faith that conquers kingdoms. Somebody say amen. And then it says, interestingly enough, administer justice, administered justice. So we have to have faith to receive and conquer a kingdom, but then we've got to administrate justice. Now, justice? Yeah, you'll get it in just a minute. We'll see it in another place. And then it says, and gained what was promised. And then it goes through a bunch, of, a bunch of cool things that happened in the Bible times. So if you want to, how many people want to obtain what is promised? Well, what do you got to do? You got to by faith, believe, and conquer kingdoms, and then you've got to administrate justice. That's the part that's always missed. That's the part that's left out in our lives. We pray, we believe, we get something going, but then we don't follow through and administrate it properly, and then we begin to lose what we had. So by first, first we, by faith, we subdue kingdoms. Second, we administer justice. Third, we obtain the promise. Now, let me show you an example of this in, in the Bible, another example. Using one of the guys that's in Hebrews 11, David, 
It's 2 Samuel chapter 8, verses 13 through 15. It says in 13, And David made himself a name when he returned from killing 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Salt. He also, listen to this part, he also put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom, he put garrisons. Think about that for a minute. He conquered this country. So he, by faith, conquered a kingdom, right? But he didn't stop there. He then administered justice by putting garrisons throughout the whole country. What's a garrison? It's a group, a small group of soldiers that make sure to enforce the victory that David won will remain in place the entire time he puts groups of soldiers throughout the whole country. Let's see how it reads. And all the Edomites became David's servants. Man, David got more out of the deal. And the Lord preserved David wherever he went. So David reigned over all Israel, conquered a kingdom, and administered judgment and justice to all the people. See, he won the battle, but if he wouldn't have put the garrisons in there, garrisons in there, you know what happened? I don't know how long later, three years, five years, 20 years later, Syria would have rose back up and he would have had to fight him again. You know, if he'd done this in Philistia, for the Philistines, he wouldn't have been having to fight the Philistines all the time. They were a bit larger group of people, so it was harder. But he administrated this victory well. And because he administrated the victory well, he received a lot more. Somebody say more. You know, uh, how can I say this? Um, I'm not picking on anybody because we all maybe have a part that we kind of go around. Ever heard the expression, I'm taking another lap around the mountain? That's taking it from the Israelites who wandered in the wilderness. And Sometimes we, it doesn't seem we, seems like we face the same thing more than once. Anybody ever had that where you kind of go around and around? Well, here I think what's going on here is, is when we do that, when that's going on in our lives and we're fighting the same battle every year for a couple of years, here's the key. When you win the battle, then you, it's just like people who diet to try to lose weight, it's really hard because you got to change all your eating habits, all, you eat differently. You, if you count calories, God forbid, I don't think that works at all. But anyway, whatever you do to lose weight, you lose weight, but then what happens? You gain it all back. See, you don't need a diet, you need a lifestyle change. Come on. You need to, you need to do something different with your life. You need to get moving. You need to get busy. You need to stop watching Doctor Who on, you know, what's on Netflix or Amazon Prime or wherever it's at. And, you know, sit down and binging on, you know, ah, just, I'm gloating on 12 monkeys right now. It's awesome. Or whatever. You're, and you just live there. It's nothing's going to change. And so you'll struggle. But if you'll get a lifestyle change, uh, that, will, that will help you. What will happen there? For everyone who, who has will more be given. Wow. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has is taken away. And that's why people very often go round and round the mountain. They get a victory. They believe God. Something good happened. But then they fall right back into where they were before. Let me show you an incredible verse I think super powerful. Uh, Proverbs 12, 23. And it might not hit you as powerful as first, but I really, I'm praying that you get the revelation of this verse. It says this. It says, much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. Now notice this, and for lack of justice, there's waste. What does it mean, lack of justice? It means the lack of doing what's right. 
Justice is having right happen. Okay? And so what does it mean much food is in the fallow ground of the poor? I've been, a, I've been a lot of places in the world, and I saw this especially in India and Africa. There'd be a hut or a, or a building of some sort that was a home, and the home would be, you know, it might not be, you know, three times the size of this rug or twice the size of this rug, but next to the home, there'd be a little garden. And there'd be three or four little scraggly, you know, things of corn out there and some beans or whatever they were growing out in the garden. And I've, I always saw it. Whenever I'd look at it, I'd, I'd think, why, why don't they grow a bigger garden? You know, I, I have a bigger garden at my house, and I don't need the food out of my garden to survive. But I have a bigger garden at my house, you know, in the, we, we grow food in the winter in Florida. We can't grow any food right now because it's too hot. But, uh, you know, why not a bigger garden? See, here's what, what this verse is saying. Fallow ground, and I mean, you look around their hut, there's a lot of ground around their hut. They could do more with it. And, and it, fallow ground is ground that's not used. What, so this is how I pray. I say, God, what, what fallow ground in my life needs to be tilled up? Where am I not receiving the benefit in my life that I need to because it's fallow, just sitting there. Nothing's going on. That's a prayer you could pray, and that's a prayer that could really help you in your life. You know, uh, there's this place in Haiti where a team of people went, and they, uh, they had about 40 acres. There's an orphanage, and uh, they, uh, you know, they help a lot of kids. They actually even run a, an adoption agency. A lot of people in our churches have adopted kids from Haiti through this this place. Anyway, so they've got about 40 acres of land available to them. And so uh, a team went down there with seed and fertilizer and, uh, you know, we did a container and shipped a container over a John Deere tractor, all the implements on the back to, to make it go and, uh, you know, to do what you needed to plow and all that stuff. And, and they showed them and they plowed up half of the, the property that they had there to do it. They planted it. They showed them how to fertilize it, got it all going. And then they commissioned them to do the rest of the field because they could only stay there for like a week and a half. And they stayed there for that time. They commissioned them, you do the rest of the field, get you a good big crop growing, you can sell it. You know, if you have too much, if whatever it is they're growing, if you have too much, you can sell it in that way. It'll help support the kids. So, so they leave and they come back next year and there's this one skinny Haitian guy out there with a hoe. I mean a garden, garden implement. <laughs> Gotta be careful here what you guys think. I mean, you're telling, telling stuff to go to hell when you worship. So I mean, make sure I'm clear. Um, one little skinny Haitian guy out there with a hoe and there's a John Deere tractor in the, in the, the shed they built them, aluminum building they built them. And what's going on there? Fallow ground. The old ways are hard to break. Habitually, that's the way they did it. And they, they didn't value uh, the, the way to administrate that land and therefore they experienced the lack. You know, one time I was eating lunch what I used to do, this is a long time ago, I don't even know how long ago this was, I was sitting in my office and I would play hearts on the computer while I was eating my sandwich or whatever I was eating for lunch. And so as I'm eating my lunch, I'm playing hearts and I felt like, you know, it wasn't like God called me up on the bat phone or anything, but I just felt like God was saying, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, eating my lunch, taking a break, you know, playing hearts. I mean, it's kind of obvious that, you know, when God asks you what you're doing, he probably already knows. You think? 
But whenever God asks you what you're doing, you can all you can almost always bet that you're probably not doing what he wants you to be doing right then. And so, you know, God, it, it, and it, it, was, it was a cool thing. He said, do you, do you know how to type? And I said, of course I do. And I whipped up my two index fingers and I said, look at me go. Sometimes I even use my thumb. And so uh, I just thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I learned how to type? And so I got this program, Mavis Beacon. Anybody ever seen that program before? Mavis Beacon teaches you to type. And this was a really old one. It was like a little video game. You got the keyboard out. And actually, I learned to type. It was awesome. I type about 60 words a minute on a good day, you know. And it's like, that's a lot different than, you know. So what did I do? I took 15 minutes of my time, and it was actually fun to learn. You know, when I was in high school, I thought it was stupid. But now I'm an adult, and I need to actually type. It was actually fun to learn how to type, not have to look at the keyboard and know where everything was at, and just go at it, man, this is awesome. And kind of do a video game thing while I was doing it. What did I do? I administrated 15 minutes of my life differently. I think that's why God wants us to, whenever we can, start our day with him. Isn't it amazing that when you do that, your day just seems to go better? You, you walk in the more of God easier. Why? Because you, you just got started right. Just kind of ordered or administrated your life well in that moment. Let me see here. I got to move on. One of the most incredible stories in the Bible on administration is the story of Joseph. Now, Joseph went through a lot. You know, he starts out by saying, you know, oh, man, I had a dream and my, all my brothers bowed down to me. Now, when Joseph said this, he was like, let's say he was 12. His oldest brother would have been like 50. Seriously. You know, and, and I'm off. My 12-year-old brother's shooting off saying I'm going to bow down to him. I'm 50. I'm going to flick him in the head, you know, and say, shut up. But these guys were a little bit more harsh, and he was a favorite, and so they threw him in a pit, and then they sold him to, into slavery, and then he, he had to work for this guy Potiphar, and his wife wanted to sleep with him, and he, he ran off, and so he got thrown in prison, and then he you know, began to run the prison, and finally, at the end of all that, the Pharaoh has a dream, but he's so wound up about this dream, he, he doesn't just say, interpret my dream, he said, I'm not telling anybody my dream. You, for you to be right, you got to come to me and tell me what I dreamed and then tell me what it means. And none of his mad magicians or sorcerers could do it. And so he ends up uh, uh, one of the guys that, that, that Joseph interpreted a dream for when he was in prison said, oh, I remember there's this guy. So they bring Joseph out. And uh, the Pharaoh says, you know, says to him, can you, can you do this? And he said, the answer's not in me. See, Joseph finally learned who to put his trust and confidence in, not himself. So the answer is not in me, it's in the Lord. And so he says, here's your dream. You dreamed there were seven ears of corn, they were fat and flourishing, and then there were seven uh, wilted ears of corn, and the wilted ears of corn ate up the fat, flourishing ears of corn, and after they ate them, they didn't look any better. They looked just as weak as they did before. And then there were seven cows, and, and uh, I think he was saying they're coming up out of the water anyway. So seven fat and flourishing cows that looked awesome, and they came out of the water. And then seven sickly cows followed them, and then the seven sickly ate up the fat ones, and then the sickly ones looked just as sickly or even more sickly than before they ate them. And he says, here's what your dream means. 
Your dream means that there's going to be seven years of abundance. It's going to be one of the most incredible times of harvest the world has ever seen. And then there's going to be seven years of blight, of famine, of a waterless time where, you, where, where crops won't grow. And so he said, what you need to do is get a wise person and put him over, I don't need that, over the, it's a good thing too, isn't it? Um, over this thing and, 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 and kind of administrate it properly and you'll be set. And the Pharaoh said, well, you're, you're the wise, wisest one around here. So Joseph, what he did was he said 20% of what the people are bringing in, you have to pay in taxes. Basically, that's how it worked. So they had incredible harvest. So it was a lot. And they got so much they couldn't store it at where Pharaoh was. So they began to store it in every city of Egypt. They had this huge storage of grain that they grew during these seven years that was so awesome. And then the blight hit. And so people tried to grow and all that stuff. And they bought, they keep buying the wheat or the grain, whatever it was, from Joseph till he ran out of money. And now they... They, they have to give Joseph, Pharaoh, their land to get food. And so what happens is in the worst time that maybe Egypt had ever seen, the riches of Egypt came in because somebody administrated what happened well. It's very powerful. Now here's the more. Are you ready for the more in this story? Not only did the whole of the nation of Egypt become pharaohs. But Joseph got his family back. People were hungry for literally miles around Egypt, and his family came and bowed down to him and said, we need food. Would you sell us some? And so Joseph didn't just get the riches of Egypt and the surrounding countries. He received his family back. It's an incredible. Administration brought more. So today, what do you do? You draw close. Draw close to Jesus. Position yourself to walk in the, in the promise. Position yourself for breakthrough. Position yourself for more. How? By administrating what God's given you well. And this principle is in the Word of God from beginning to end. I mean, why did Adam and Eve lose the garden? Because they didn't do what God said. They didn't administrate the garden well. They lost it. It's, it's just in the Word from... From the beginning to end, God give us courage to step out and do what we're supposed to do. And especially, I mean, you know, a bee sting, we can take it for a while, but if you've got arterial bleeding, you better do something quick. So I don't know where you're at or what the situation is. One more example, and we'll, uh, we'll get this closed up here. I had a friend, Dennis Eldridge, that bought 10 acres in a in Missouri, and his brother brought 10 acres, and his other brother brought 10 acres, and his other brother, or four brothers, and mom did, and the dad did, and the cousins did. Anyway, they ended up with 100 acres of land in Missouri, and so they bought this in 1971. That was a long time ago. And they've had to clear that land about every three to five years, go in and mow it with bush hogs. And if they wait too long, whatever grows on it, I don't know what, what they are, actually become like little trees. And then they have to go in their chainsaws and cut them, some of the bigger ones down so that they can mow it and, and take care of it that way. And they've just done that. Now, it's gone up in value. Obviously, if you buy something in 1971, now in, in 2019, 2020, it's worth a lot more. 
But during that time, they paid taxes on it. They worked hard on it. They had to go back and travel from Florida, Missouri to take care of it. All that stuff was going on. What if, think about it for a minute, what if they administrated that land a little differently? What if they would have, when they cleared the land the first time, they planted pine trees? And then they let them grow for 20 years. And then they cut them and sold them to a lumber company. And then they did it again and cut them and sold it to a lumber company. And then they planted it again. And now they got 100 acres planted with trees. You know what? That's worth a lot more. Somebody say more. More money. What, what would be the difference? It would just be the idea of looking and administrating. I have a friend who had a pool business. He built pools. And people were, I was talking to him in, in his workplace, and people were coming in and asking him for chlorine. And he says, no, this, we, don't, we build pools. We don't sell stuff. I turned to him and said, why not? Three people came in today and asked for stuff. Just put some on the wall there. He did, and his business blossomed. And then some of those people, when they moved to a house without a pool, got Steve to build his pool. Administration, administration, administration. God give us wisdom. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.